Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. I'm really excited about our guest today um, because she's sort of like a superstar in, in my world over here. Um, you could say that she's technically my boss because she is one of the founding members of, of Word Weavers International, and her name is the fabulous Eva Marie Everson. Um, I'll just tell you a little bit about her. Um, she is a CBA best-selling and multiple award-winning author and speaker, including a Christie finalist, silver medallion winner. We're going to be here for a while, guys, so just get comfortable. Uh, Carol, several Maggie and Golden Scroll Awards, an Inspirational Retailer's Choice Award. Um, she is, like I said before, one of the original five Word Weaver members, uh, and that began in 1997. And she served as the first original Word Weavers president 2000 till 2007. And she's now the CEO of Word Weavers International. Uh, which serves writers primarily as a, a national and international group of critique and um, edu educational chapters. Um, she also served as a mentor for Jerry B. Jenkins um, with the Christian Writers Guild for several years and has taught a number of writers conferences nationwide. Um, during the 2010 to 2011 school year, she served as an adjunct professor at Taylor University uh, this is in Upland, Indiana, and she describes it as one of the best times she's ever had while working. Eva Marie also serves as a director of Florida Christian Writers Conference coming up soon, and the, co the contest director for the Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference. She also enjoys working as a private writing coach and editor. And in 2022, I remember this because I was there for this one, Eva Marie was awarded the Yvonne Lehman Legacy Award, which is a huge deal. And the they call they pronounce it Awasa or Awasa. Awasa, yeah, Awasa. AWSA Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, and receiving both, she said, was among the highlights of her career. Um, she's a graduate of Andersonville Theological Seminary and the Sanak Institute. Um, her theological focus has always been the tie between the Testament with a greater understanding of Christianity's Jewish roots. Uh, born and reared in Georgia, Eva Marie and her husband make their home in Central Florida, where they're owned by one very spoiled cat and two hearts full of grandchildren. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> we can go now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, one day, one day, my, um, I'm, I'm hoping my resume looks like that. So uh, you're definitely my Shiro. So, oh, so with, all of, with all of that said, I don't even know if you need to answer this question, but I will ask anyway, what is your current role in the publishing industry? <laughs> um, yeah, and you know what? It has changed. It's, it's changed okay. recently because I was working uh, also as a, an acquisitions editor uh, at Iron Stream Media, but um, not too horribly long ago, uh, the good Lord in his wisdom was, was showing me that I had to let go of some things because, yeah. because Word Weavers was really going to explode and it has. And, um, and so I, I let that go. But uh, I think Predominantly, uh, if I had to say there's one thing that I do most of the day, all day long, it's working with as a CEO of Word Weavers International, which includes being the director of Florida Christian Writers Conference because uh, Word Weavers owns the conference. So okay. those two things kind of get tied in together. Uh, but that that is, a, I guess you could say, my biggest role within the industry right now, other than being an author. Yeah. And uh, tell, just explain to everyone just, just how big Word Weavers really is. It's massive. <laughs> it, yeah. yeah, it it blows my mind uh, every day. Uh, we started off, as you said, I was one of the original five members uh, here in Central Florida uh, attending a mega church here. And uh, I saw a little ad in our 
newspaper. We literally had a newspaper every week. And and it said, you know, if you are a Christian writer or a writer who is a Christian and you want to get together and be iron sharpening iron, we're going to start meeting on the second Saturday of every month. And here's the address and here's the time. And I was at that time writing for a children's ministry. So I thought, oh, I'll go check this out. And I did. And, uh, and so there were only five of us. I mean, you would think in a, in a church about the size of 16,000 that there would have been more, but there were only five yeah. of us. Uh, but, you know, God was pretty wise with that. But um, uh, we eventually became known as Word Weavers. And then we became known as Word Weavers Orlando because wow. as we were growing, we had people who were coming in from all over the state. But then in 2008, when the gas you know, crisis happened, even uh, to do that, even carpooling, they were like, we just can't afford this. So we made this decision to start what we called sister chapters and then just of okay. course, chapters. And, uh, and so we had these chapters in the state of Florida. Somebody found out about us in the state of New York, wanted to start one in, in Western New York. So we started one in Western New York. And then Jerry Jenkins found out about us, and he's wow. not really invest in this. And uh, in one in one year, we we went international. And and after he got us settled, and and then you know like set us, you know, okay, now you're you're big boys and girls. Now you can do this. We formed a five hundred one c six, and um, and became Word Weavers International, and uh, we now have about 50 traditional groups all over the world. And we have 50 online groups that use Zoom to meet Mm -hmm. uh, all over the world. We are probably a little over a thousand members strong. We have members in every continent except Antarctica. (laughs) And of course, I often say that if I can find one penguin who writes, (laughs) maybe two. Uh, we'll have we'll have a group in Antarctica as well, but yeah, we are represented in in every continent now. Um, so this, I mean, you know, remembering that that afternoon or that morning, walking in, and there's four people sitting around a dining room table, and me being the fifth, I was the last one to get there, um, and, and knowing now what we're juggling, all of us having. You know, myself as the CEO, Taryn Suters as the president of operations. I've got my directors of, of uh, online, a director of online groups and then a director yeah. of traditional groups. And then of course you are one of our mentors as well as one of our presidents, yeah. but we have the mentors of our online groups and over traditional groups and then all these presidents. So we have you know, about yeah. hundred presidents um, and, and then all these members, it's a lot to juggle every day, but it's a, it's an honor and a privilege to mm-hmm. do it. I know it's what yeah. God has called me to do. So yeah, it makes me yeah. even better. Yeah, it was an answer to prayer for me because when I found out about it, I believe it was at Blue Ridge. Mm-hmm. I think it was my first year at Blue Ridge. I jumped in to both the, an online group and an in-person group. Mm-hmm. And I have stuck with that. I am just a member for an in-person group and then I, I, I became a president and then a mentor. And I just love it. In fact, my group met last night and we were talking about that, how we have grown as writers being a part of the process and how, and I, I, I just, I'm like a proud mom when I see them blossoming and, and um, getting so much better that that whole, the, this first of the camaraderie and then the critique and the sandwich me- method really work. And so, yeah, it, it, Word Weavers is, a, is just an incredible blessing oh, to many you. of us and yeah. especially people of faith where you have a safe place to uh, work on your writing. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, is, um, you know, you can be a writer who writes within the Christian market or simply a Christian writer who is writing, you know, with, within the ABA market. It, it doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, you know, Taryn uh, is, and I mentioned her a moment ago, president of operations. Um, she is very well known as a middle grade author uh, within yeah. the ABA market, but she's a Christian within the ABA market. So she's yeah. able to bring, you know, what is uh, upright and moral and 
you know, even today, some of the things that are out there for middle grade are just, you just think, wow, that's so inappropriate. And so she's able to, to keep it appropriate. And, yeah. uh, and so we become, you know, we become that salt um, yeah. and light that we need to be. So tell us, those of our listeners who don't know what ABA is, what, what is that? Uh, and that's the American Booksellers Association. And then CBA is, and, and CBA, it, this is kind of interesting because it, it's been called this for so long. Although I think the institution itself called CBA no longer exists. And I think it's oh. now um, ECPA, but it's the Christian Booksellers Association. So when okay. I first got into this um, 25 years ago, uh, CBA every year had an international convention. And the very first year that I was able to go, it was here in Orlando. And uh, man, I was like, wow, look at all this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. who knew? <laughs> who knew? Yeah. Wow. Well, what current projects have you been working on? Well, I've got a, I've got a few things actually going on. Um, several years ago, I, and I mean several years ago, lots and lots of years ago, I started working on this novel idea, and, and I'm predominantly known as a as a fiction writer, a Southern fiction writer, although I do have nonfiction works that are out. Uh, but I started working, I, well, it was just an idea, and I, I jotted down, you know, some thoughts, like, okay, when I have time or or when I have more information, I can, I can kind of build a story around this. Yeah. Um, and, and then I set it aside. And then, and then um, in Word Weavers Orlando, we had a group that was just fiction writers. So we would meet at a different time than yeah. Word Weavers Orlando. And we did this little experiment where we all tossed in uh, like one object in kind of into the hat. And then, you know, one of us pulled out all the objects. And, and I don't remember all of it, but I know there was a set of twins, an emerald ring, and um, what was the other? I gosh, I can't remember now what it was. Um, but but I, you know, we ha we had to write a fifteen hundred word short short story or you know oh. like short story. But uh, but uh, all five of those had to be in there. Or I think there was five objects. I don't know. And maybe there were five of us working together at that time. But anyway, they all had to be in there. And and because we were all writing from different genres, we all wrote such you know, varying stories. And yeah. I put that aside. And then about maybe four years ago, I sat down and I put the, I kind of melded those two things together and I started writing. But as you know, in 2019, my oh. baby brother was diagnosed with cancer and kind of everything mm. came to a halt in my life. And, uh, and so I, I spent the next uh, three months uh, escorting him to the arms of Jesus. And then yeah. it just, you know, I, I was also working on this nonfiction book and, and, and I was also working on another work of fiction. And so everything just kind of like, it was like I've, got, I've got to figure out what I'm doing here. I finished <laughs> the work of fiction. It's, uh, the title was dust. It came out last oh, year. Yeah. And, yeah. And then I finished the work of nonfiction, which is called the third path. And that right. is what I teach predominantly at writers conferences it's uh it's a spiritual journey and um and so then i went back and and fin started finishing up the title is called beth bettencourt that's the the main character's name beth bettencourt i'm almost yeah. done with that i'm i'm at almost like eighty thousand words so i'm wow. getting pretty close to being done with that but then in the meantime as you know i um i wrote a children's book with Michelle Medlock Adams that was released this summer. And we have been asked to do a follow-up book. So we're kind of toying with that a little bit. And I've been asked to com compose, if you will, or compile a journal that will go with the third path. And wow. so I'm working on that too. And so, yeah, the, I kind of got my, my hand in three things right now. Wow. Oh my god. We'll see gosh. which one gets finished first. <laughs> yeah. So the Beth um Betten is it Beth Bettencourt? Beth Bettencourt. That's her name. Beth so, Bettencourt. Oh, what kind of book is that? 
it is going to be, I, I think because it's pre it's pre Vietnam War, it will be considered historical fiction. It takes oh. place in 1962 and it would be Southern women's fiction. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's one of the most interesting concepts I think I personally have ever come up with. Um, but it was based on a, um, an article I read, remember Dear Abby, of course, you remember yeah. Dear Abby, but this was like back when it was in the newspaper and I read this Dear Abby, um, this woman had woken up in the middle of the night and there was a man asleep in the bed with her. She was a single woman and this was like 40 years ago, I kid you not. And, and he was asleep in the bed with her just snoring away and of course it's like, who is this man? So, so yeah, so she, she rolls out of bed and um, and goes down. I think she said it was like a downstairs, upstairs, downstairs, goes downstairs and calls the police and the police come. And this guy had been at a party, had too much to drink. And this woman had said, I live two doors down on the right. Just go to my house and sleep it off. Well, he went two doors down on the left. <laughs> and I just always thought, now, if we could clean this up just a little bit, yeah. wouldn't this be a great concept? But of course, you've got to go deeper than that. And that's why I was saying, I knew I was going to have to build up these characters. Who are these characters? Beth has a twin sister who has recently died, but her twin sister stole something from her that was very precious to her and so when her sister died there was unforgiveness between them okay yeah and and then marty who is the guy who accidentally comes into her home and he is a a, a recent uh, he's a soldier but he was recently um released from uh fort stewart in in georgia and uh, he thought he was walking into the home of a friend uh, but that okay. friend had moved and so that's how they end up. But I don't put him in the same bed. I, I just put him in the same house. And she just wakes up and she hears this man snoring. Uh, but she ends up, because he's predominantly, a, he's like a vagrant. Uh, he doesn't have anywhere to go. Um, she gives him a job. And because her handyman is, quote, down in the back. And being from the South, yeah. you know what that means. Um, and uh, and so that, but he's got he's got his own secrets and his own, issues and painful moments, but it's how these two will connect and heal each other. So um, it's been a lot of fun to write it. It's it's pretty deep. It's pretty simple in its concept, but it's pretty deep in its story. Wow, that's interesting how we get our story ideas. Just, just seeing, I'll see things on the news. I'm like, oh, that'd be such a good story. I think I really watch the news more for how you get good story ideas other than yeah. I just be depressed. <laughs> Yeah, well, my husband asks me all the time uh, I, because I watch things like you know, forty-eight hours and twenty-twenty and things like that. You know, and and he says, "Why do you watch this?" And I'm like, "It's a story. I mean, yeah. these are stories, you know." So yeah, you get and, and you'll go because the best friend, the two words that are the best friend of a novelist are "what if," "what if," "what if." So what if? you were yeah. a single woman and you wake up in the middle of the night and there's a man snoring in your house. <laughs> what would you do? You know, exactly. What does that look like? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a great concept. I can't wait to get my hands on that one. That, yeah. That's, it's that's been fun really to write neat. it. Yeah. yeah. It's been fun to write it because she is, um, she's so broken and she's, she's put up this huge wall and she has determined that she will never marry and she will never have her own children so she opens up a kindergarten so she's raising everybody else's children right oh. and um and so you know when she first meets him she's very guarded and i'm your employer now so you just do what i tell you to do da, da, da. Oh. but he makes her laugh and so okay. he's, he's okay. breaking down those walls um but also yeah. Um, she has this this woman who has been their housekeeper for many, 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 many years. And she has this relationship with Molly. And she calls her Molly May, which is really funny because that's Michelle Medlock Adams' dog's name. <laughs> I didn't realize that. But she calls her Molly May. Um, but they have such a loving relationship. And it kind of, I what I wanted to do with that, it, it breaks the barriers of what the races were allowed to do in 1962 oh. 
and she doesn't care because she she no longer cares what the town thinks of her because of what her sister did to her. So it's like, wow. what else can you say about me? And I don't care, this is how I feel. And if I want to hug my housekeeper and kiss my housekeeper on the cheek and just love her to pieces, I'm gonna do it. I don't care what you yeah. say. And she will sit at my table and she will eat from my dishes and I don't care, you know? Yeah. And so that is my kind of slap in the face toward what I grew up in. Yeah. And my mother did that slap in the face. My mother yeah. was the one who said, no, 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 we're not playing that game. You know? Yeah. So. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So you can really write some history into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, yeah because that. it wasn't all the help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember that movie. That was a good, it was a good book. I read the book first. It was a very good book. Somebody asked me when it says, Oh, did you read the help? I said, yeah. I said, did you love it? I said, love it. I lived it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. About. yeah. yeah so. it's unfortunate. Unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, we, a lot of my friends, now we talk about it. And it's, you know, it's like my, our housekeeper was Etta May. And I love this woman so much, so much. And, you know, stayed in contact with her for a long time. And then very strangely, when I became a nurse, um, I was asked to work an autopsy, and it was her son. Oh no! It was her son. He had been shot and killed, and and so when they, you know, like the doctor was recording the name, and I happened to look, and I'm like, I, "Why is that oh. familiar to me? What what is it about that name that is so familiar?" But then you're concentrating on what you're doing, you know. So you're not. Yeah. So then I went home, and my father, who was in law enforcement, he said, "I need to tell you something," because he because it was a, a shooting. Of course, he had been involved in working it, and so. He's mm. like, that was Anna May's son. And oh. I remember my heart just hurting for her, you know, because I love yeah. her so much. And and she she got sick one time. And so she, I don't know who she sent, you know, to, to take her place. And I did not like her. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wanted Anna May. Oh. <laughs> oh. So was your father, not to go down a rabbit hole, but that's kind of what writers do. Um, yeah. Did your father end up working that case? Did they find out who, who killed? I don't remember those details. My father was was uh, an FBI Academy graduate, and so he was actually with the GBI. So okay. I think that he probably just knew of it because, you know, when you he had one of those squelch boxes in his car, you know. So we heard all the local and the state crime. All the time, you know, uh, and uh, and so he probably just heard it, and yeah. but uh, I don't believe he would have worked it because he worked more state crime okay. issues like that. Yeah, wow. I mean they were local crimes, but if it was involved in a in a statewide issue, that's yeah. what he worked. Yeah, that's an idea for a story right there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my. My father had a very interesting, and I wrote it as a short story, if I can share this, because this, yeah. talk about murder and mayhem, this is fun. Yeah. So, um, remember back in the day when, you know, you had the telephone workers and they would climb the poles, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. and then they would, they, they could literally hook up and hear, and if they, if there was somebody on the phone, they would say, you know, we're about to cut the phone line because we got to do some phone line work, yeah. right? And uh, so he picked up, you know, he hooked up his little phone um, that, and he was way out in the country and these, he overheard these two men talking and he was about to interrupt, but he realized they were plotting a crime. Oh. So he just continued to listen and they were planning to break into this house of a woman who uh, was wealthy, but she was a widow. And one of the men worked as, you know, he was a landscape guy for her and uh, oh. just took care of her lawns and stuff like that. And, and so um, it was him and his brother and they were going to, they were going to come in, you know, that night they were going to, I don't know if they were going to kill her or not. They were going to tie her up and scare her a little bit. Oh. And then he, you know, like, where's your money kind of thing. And, um, and where's your jewelry or, or whatever. Cause this was, I guess this was probably like back in the mid to late sixties. I'm trying to remember how old I was when this happened. Well, so the guy just, you know, he comes down off the, the pole and, and he drives home and he calls my dad who just happened to be home because he didn't know what else to do. And yeah. so my dad just happened to be home and I, I'm, I'm overhearing all of this. And so my dad said, okay, thank you. So he, 
he goes and, and contacts the local um, police force. And so they went to the house of this woman and they told her, this is what's about to happen. So we need to put you in the back of the squad car and we're just going to drive you off. Your car is going to stay in you know, your driveway. Yeah. And so, uh, so they drove her away and then they, they went back and, and they may have actually taken her in their car or something, but anyway, they went back, parked her car, went inside and they were just sitting there waiting on them <laughs> when they got there. Did yeah. they show up? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause they oh. thought they were going to rob her that night. And instead they, they walked in and, uh, there were the police sitting there. So that's, oh, that's a great story. A true Isn't that story. a great story? So I turned that oh. into a short story. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Oh. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, well, you've been invited to our expert series to discuss your journey as a writer, a networker, and industry professional. So in a nutshell, describe how you manage your obligations in the publishing industry. Oh, boy. <laughs> Some days I, I stumble into this office and, oh, I don't know what I'm going to be doing next. Um, you know, the uh, almost inevitably, the first thing I do uh, once I sit down at my desk and I'm ready to start my day is I just go directly into Word Weavers. But, but typically I have things like um, every Monday, uh, Taryn and I work on the Florida conference and that just pretty much takes up a, a good portion of our day. Um, and, and then I just try to clear everything away from Word Weavers and whatever is needed from that. Mm -hmm. um, try to schedule that time to write. And, uh, and sometimes I literally have to go away to write. Okay. And that's wow. okay too. Cause yeah. I, you know, yeah, I'll just say I'm, I'm going to go away for a week and write. And that way it's uh, whatever's going on with any of the rest of it, just it, it will wait. As you know, I am the director of um, the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference yeah. contest. And that includes the Sailor Awards and the Sailor Awards are industry wide. And so once um, November one rolls around, Taryn and I are no longer dealing with the conference. We start dealing with all those entries that are coming in. Um, and they, it starts with the sailors and then that kind of slows down. And then we go into the foundation awards, which is for those who are attending the Blue Ridge conference, but who are not yet published. Yeah. And uh, like, like the way I said, not yet published. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, cause we know, we know, um, but but that's 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 always on Mondays. So when Karen and I are not working the Florida Conference on Mondays, we are working the Sela Awards on Mondays. And then when we're not doing that, we're working the Foundation Awards on Mondays. So um, that's that that day is kind of set aside. Uh, I also um, have been teaching a Bible study group, a home group, uh, for oh. goodness, about I don't know, 25, 26 years now. Yeah. And uh, and so you know I have you know, that time set aside where I just, I'm just studying the word for the purpose of teaching, not just studying the word for myself, yeah. um, but studying the word for teaching. And um, it's a lot, you know, and today writers not only have to write, they have to market. Yeah. And yeah, so we are, we are our own publicity agents. And, and so there's a lot to all of that as well. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm, like I said, you know, God was showing me uh, probably about a year and a half ago, maybe a year ago, uh, that you've got to let go of this and you've got to let go of that because this mm -hmm. is this is what's about to happen with COVID. Yeah. Word Weavers grew because what? I think because <laughs> people mm -hmm. were now home and they're yeah. like, well. I think I'll write that novel I always said I was going to write. You know? <laughs> or I'm going to write yeah. that book I always said I was going to write. And so they were looking for, you know, that iron sharpening iron and other writers, etc. And they found it in Word Weavers. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why we grew so much. Oh, my goodness. Who did we grow, as you well yeah. know? Yeah. So, and our, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. our online group never missed a beat. Was, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, and that was that was uh, that was good. I mean, that's uh, I think out of all of the traditional groups, the traditional groups, we lost maybe three, mm -hmm. and and they were predominantly made up of older members who were just yeah. too afraid to ever 
you know, they, they weren't real sure what to do with Zoom because we, you know, so many of them just went to Zoom during that time yes. period mm -hmm. and then eased back into, you know, meeting face-to-face. -face. Right. Um, but they, they, did, they just didn't know how to use Zoom or they were capable of using Zoom. They just didn't want to learn. Well, I understand that. I'm 65 now and there are certain things that like, oh, you need to learn how to do so-and-so. No, I don't. Really don't need to know how to do <laughs> You are so tech savvy though. Yeah, you're tech yeah, savvy. Yeah, it's like, I just know, I, you know, they start, oh, have you tried so-and-so yet? Nope, don't intend to do this. <laughs> and, and just recently downloaded TikTok. I mean, it took me years. What? And it's like, finally, you know, my friends are like, welcome to the dark side. So, yeah, it's it looks like it's fun. I'm gonna be I'm gonna try it too. I told my kids that signed up yeah. for TikTok. They were they're so depressed. Well, I but well I only downloaded it because well our friend Kyle said I had to <laughs> basically like you've <laughs> got to do this. Michelle and Bethany Jet they're like oh no you have to do this. Um, but also I have a friend in Ireland who is always sending me these little TikTok clips. Yes. And, and if, unless you're on TikTok, you really don't get to watch the whole thing. So I would want to watch, I, I would see just enough to go, oh, I really want to see the rest of that. So I finally said, oh, okay, you know, but I don't know that I'm going to be doing a whole lot with it. But, but going back to some of our older members, um, once we said, okay, you know, I think we're okay to, to go back into our face-to-face -face groups. They were still too nervous to do it. And, and so they folded. And and some of them just became online group members. And mm -hmm. that was good to do. Yeah. Um, but just as quickly as they were folding, we had other groups out there that were starting up. So mm -hmm. That's right. Well, so you had touched on marketing. Um, what if, which is the struggle of authors? Because people think, oh, marketing, why would I have to do that? A publishing company is going to do that for me. <laughs> anyway, anyway, start dry heating. But yeah, let's um, laugh a little bit. <laughs> what advice can you share with authors struggling to uh, market themselves and build their platform? Uh, there are some wonderful, um, what a, so, um, I can't even think of the word I want to use. Anyway, there's there's some wonderful uh, avenues that you can go down and learn more about it. We at Word Weavers have uh, we have worked with um, Jim Rubart, uh, who has has this you know, and I can't even think what it's called right now. Oh my goodness! Um, but um, we'll we'll find out. But just just look up James James R. Rubart, and he has this company that teaches you all of this and it's just so worth going and learning about yeah. how to do the marketing. I was just at serious, the serious writer intensive joining groups such as serious writer. Um, yeah. They spent one whole day of that intensive teaching marketing. Mm. I was there as a teacher. So that first day I wasn't teaching because I don't know enough to, to teach it. Yeah. But, but I was sitting there listening and I thought my brain is going to blow off. I mean, it's just going <laughs> to blow right out of my ears. There's yeah. so much to know. And yet at the same time, I will say Kyle Young was teaching it. He made it so simple. It's like yeah. anybody can do this. And, and he kept saying, now don't panic. I'm going to send you the notes on this. Don't panic. I'm going to, you know, okay, we're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Um, uh, but there are, you know, it, it, Jerry Jenkins has, um, uh, you know, within his organization, all these, you know, it's not just enough to teach you how to write. We now yeah. have to teach you how to market. And so mm -hmm. we have all these avenues that we can go down access to learning how to do it and how to yeah. do it well. Sometimes it's a matter of you go, I can't do this. I don't want, you know, I don't have time to do this. I'm going to hire somebody to do this. You just want to make sure you're hiring somebody who is reputable and who will help you. Not yes. just them doing it, but you are following alongside them and making sure that it's being done the way you would like for it to be done. So there, yeah. there's, there's just so many different avenues. Um, Vincent Davis, who is a, he's just an Amazon wizard. Uh, he's at the Blue Ridge Conference every year. I work with him for yeah. my, anything to do with Amazon. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. He's so creative when it comes to that. So, yeah. you know, just find your experts. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Don't worry about do, having to do everything because you can right. hire people to do certain things. Yeah, you can. And they and that's what they do. And they're really good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and then what about the, the flip side? Um, many authors struggle with common challenges like isolation, rejection, um, marketing. <laughs> what kind of encouragement can you offer to those authors? Well, let's, let's start with isolation. Um, isolation is, is typically exactly what every author wants until someone, t- you know, until you all of a sudden you realize I'm just, I'm just so like alone here. I feel like yeah. there's no one to say, good job. You know, yeah. good job. That was really good. That's of course why groups such as Word Weavers are important and going to writers conferences and meeting your people. Um, because the great thing about Word Weavers is if you're in one group, it's two hours a month, you kind of get your people fixed, you know? Yeah. Um, when you go to a writer's conference, it's three or four days, you got your people fixed. Now you can go back home and isolate again and get to work and, and write and, and, and that sort of thing. You know, there are there there are groups on Facebook, et cetera, like Serious Writer and Writers Chat and all of those. And this right here that we are doing, um, these are the these are the connectors that allow us to connect long enough to not feel like we're the only human being left on the planet. But at the same time, I, I don't have to do a nine to five for the rest of my life either you yeah. know i'm not yeah. i'm not like so like I, i'm trapped with all these people and i can't get out um yeah. so the you know the first one was you said was isolation uh, tell me again what the second one was rejection rejection oh yeah that's a fun word here here's the thing and we've all been re- we've all been rejected yeah. uh, even the the top authors uh, yeah. in our field, any field, has been rejected. We just talked about the help. She was rejected 63 times before. What? Yes, that work was rejected 63 times. And every time it got a rejection, it was like, you know, you, you, you need to do this, you need to do that, you know, before it can be considered. And she would just go back in and rewrite it, you know, and and, and take that to heart. So the thing was, is, is it, the answer is not no, it's not yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. it's not That's no true. forever. It's not yet. So, and I'd love to tell this story. the The book that I wrote with Linda Evans Shepherd. Well, we wrote six books together um, in the Potluck Club series. But the very first book, uh, we mm-hmm. presented it to several publishing houses, and it was just she and I. We we were not working with an agent at that time. Oh, okay. And uh, and it was rejected, and then it was rejected, and then it was rejected. You know, I'm like we know this is such a great concept. <laughs> but then Baker Ravel stepped in and said, "We're very interested, but hold on." Oh. And, and, you know, we waited two or three months and just reached out and, you know, just touching base. We are still very interested, but hold on. Well, this went on for 18 months. Now, oh, in wow. the process of all of that, Linda was still working on stuff that Linda likes to work on. And I was still working on things that I like to work on. But, you know, every so often we just touch base with Baker Ravel. Um, just hold on, just hold on, you know. 18 months later, they sent us a contract and that one book became a six book series and that series of books and specifically that one book has sold more books than any other book i have ever written what ever. and it was and, and because it still sells it is still selling today and i you know linda and i still get our royalty checks on this twice a year from baker Rebecca. What, what is the title of that book the potluck club the potluck club yeah and so it it ended up it was so popular right out of the gate that they're like we want book two then we want book three we want book four we want book five we want book six you know and and at book six i said okay that's it you know because i had other ideas going in my head that i wanted to work on um but i ended up i think i published 13 books with baker all together but see we gotta we gotta know no, no. Mm-hmm. All right. Because that wasn't the right house for us. And then yeah. we got a not yet, not yet, 
not yet, not yet. And then now, and it was the right time and it was the right house and everything just fell right into place. So Mm -hmm. the, the, Big thing I want to stress, though, is Linda and I did not sit down and twiddle our thumbs for 18 months. We stayed busy. We continued to grow in our craft. Mm -hmm. We continued to do what God called us to do. And then when it was his time, it was his time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the best classes I've taken at Blue Ridge was What to Do While You're Waiting by Cynthia Rutke. Yes. She, she talked about that. Like, what do you do after you finish those books and you're waiting? And it's exactly what you talked about, growing in your craft, continuing to write, continuing to network. Yeah. It's so rich. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes, because that's that's when you start your marketing. Mm-hmm. You don't wait until the last minute. You know, you if I, I love when I'm I'm watching um, uh, authors and they're they're not contracted yet, but they've written the book. They've been talking about the book, about the concept of the book. Uh, they're sharing memes about the book. They are like, I'm believing this thing is going to happen. <laughs> when it does, I have built up my readership because yeah. people are interested in, in, yeah. in whatever it is. You know, they mm-hmm. they have built it up. And of course, the trick is to find something, some way to market this that. Yeah. People go, I, I connect to that. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, can you share just, just like one tip on how to keep focused and organized as you manage various projects? Well, I have a notebook that I keep with me all the time. Okay. And, you know, everything that needs to be done gets written in that notebook. And then as it gets done, it gets crossed out. And when I hit the bottom of the page... I flip it over and I transfer what didn't get done to the new page and we keep going. (laughs) Um, I've been doing this since 1979. Um, My my first husband, may he rest in peace, uh, my first husband bought me a book called The Total Woman when we got married. Oh. I don't know if you remember that book. No. The Total Woman. I actually write about it in the book dust because it was so popular in the mid to late 70s. Uh, It was written by Maribel Morgan and and her whole thing was being organized as a wife and a mother treating this job of being a wife and a mother as if you were the CEO of your own corporation. And the very first chapter started with this, I think it was called the 64th thousand dollar question and it was a a CEO who had put he was he was very disorganized and he had put it out there to his you know top brass if you can come up with a way to get me organized I'll pay you sixty four thousand dollars or something like that yeah and 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 somehow this trickled through the the office and this lowly office worker presented him with this plan. You need a notebook and you write every day, you write down the most important things you have to do today. And you make sure that they're in, you know, like you write down everything you have to do, but then list it. This has got to be done first, second, third, fourth, and all this. Make sure the, the hardest thing to get done, should something come along to interrupt your day, gets done first. And so... Mm -hmm. In the total woman, what what she said was one of the first things you should do in the morning if you got kids, you got the kids off to school, whatever. One of the first things you should do is go ahead and get dinner done. That way, okay. you don't have to worry about getting dinner done. Should little Jimmy fall in school and break his leg, and now you're at the hospital with him, right. dinner's yeah. done. And hooray for crockpots, you know, <laughs> and all this. Yeah. So anyway, this guy he ended up getting sixty four thousand dollars. Well, I just thought. That's a really smart idea yeah. Uh, because I do really well if I write things down. I remember mm-hmm. things when I write things down. Yeah. And so, so I. Mm-hmm. I start, yeah, I've noticed you've been jotting notes while I've, while I've been talking and I did the yeah. same thing, you know, we jot these notes. And, and so um, I just started doing that back in the 1970s. Now um, my marriage um, 
did not make it, not because of that <laughs> book. It just, we were just kind of doomed from the beginning. Um, but, uh, um, but that was okay. And like I said, uh, my first husband uh, could not, we just could not be husband and wife on this earth, but we are brother and sister in the Lord. He is with the Lord and uh, yeah. I will get to spend eternity with him as his sister, not as his wife. So, um, uh, you know, just didn't, just didn't work out. But that book and that, if I, if I got nothing else out of that book, you know, this is the book, you may remember this. This is the book that said to women like, Greet your husband at the door wrapped in cellophane. I don't know if you remember that, but that was a big to do no. back in the late 70s and the early 80s. It was like women, you know, were greeting their husbands at the door. I never did that. <laughs> so, no. no. You know, meet him at the door wearing, you know, like uh, baby doll pajamas and go-go boots. And that guy was like, okay, yeah, definitely you don't have kids in the house yet. But um, it was just all about having fun as a woman. Just yeah. let that be a fun thing. And, yeah. uh, and I, I actually liked it. Some people thought it was anti-feminist, -fem but I thought it was a great book in its own way. You yeah, know, it had its good points. So it's, that was, that's yeah. it right there. In a nutshell, wow. get a book, write it down. Write it Don't down. Don't yeah. you're going to remember everything. Even my, um, uh, my books, my novels, I keep extensive notes not that I've typed into the computer, but that I write down mm -hmm. because something happens to my brain when I write it down. It just, yes. it's like, it takes a picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Well, how, how do you recommend lacing our author platforms with moral messages? Cause as you know, that, 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 you know, the podcast is named murder mystery and mayhem laced with morality. So that yeah. that's a real important, um, aspect of, of uh, where our podcast goes. So what do you recommend? Um, well, I don't ever write anything that I would be ashamed for Christ to read over my shoulder, mm -hmm. for one thing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be Christian in nature. It doesn't have to have a lot of, you know, religiosity. I mean, when I, I talked about the book Dust, and I wrote Dust, to go outside of the church mm -hmm. because there, there was a, there was a message there. There are two couples in, in the book dust. Um, one, you know, follows the right path and they marry in purity and, um, things, life is not perfect by any stretch of the word, but yeah. they, they muddle through and with God's help, they, they get all the way, you know, toward the, cause this, it follows this, this character, this girl, it follows her story from the day he proposes to her until she's well into her sixties. So it's, okay. a, it's kind of a life saga. Um, but then there is this other couple and they are having an affair and their affair actually affects this couple over here, mm. even though they don't even live in the same town. And I'm not going to give away how that happens. Now, I don't, I don't go into anything like, you know, heaving bosoms and robbing. <laughs> but if you're an adult and you're reading this book and you know what they're doing in the middle of the afternoon, when they meet at the apartment. They're not, they're not playing tiddlywings, you know? Um, but, um, but the, th but what I was trying to show, because everything in, around this couple is destroyed everything right they destroy okay. lives they destroy relationships they just destroy and they destroy each other in the end yeah and so of course i was just trying to show that juxtaposition one to the other and um and so i didn't throw a lot of god in here this couple over here couple a they go to church and they actually talk about scripture periodically because the you know the, the title is dust and and they're talking about the song dust in the wind and then she brings up what do you think about that scripture that says from dust you know you started and from dust you'll go and and they actually have that conversation um but uh, at in the end it's just the whole moral story that i was yeah. trying to get across now mm -hmm. um in those scenes where you know, they, they are meeting at the apartment. Um, I, I know Jesus is standing over my shoulder. I'm not about to write anything that I would be ashamed of. 
Yeah. But Jesus and I both know what we're talking about. <laughs> I know what happened between David and Bathsheba. You right. didn't have to spell it out for me, but I bet he didn't invite her up to his bedroom to cook him a meal. No, <laughs> you know? absolutely not. <laughs> and the adulterous woman caught in adultery. And then we've got all these stories, you know, in the Old Testament and in the New, but in the Old Testament especially, you know, you've got the story of Lot and his two daughters. I mean, we're talking incest here, right? Oh, yeah. But we didn't have to have it drawn out for us. You know, it. we're mature enough to know what this means. Um, right. You know, the, the, the Levite and his concubine. Uh, that's a horrific story. Uh, Dinah and the, the prince of Shechem. It's, you know, it's a story of rape. Uh, Tamar yeah. and her brother. It's a story of rape and incest. Oh. Oh, that's hard. See, we, we gloss over that and we say, well, but that's in the Bible. But these were the lives of people. These were real people. Yeah. And they endured this. And so we've just kind of got, okay, well, let's just go to the next part. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but all we have to do is look at the five women in the genealogy of Jesus to see that's right. that there, there was controversy going on here, you know? Yeah. Um, Including Rahab, uh, yeah. Rahab, that, and, and she was she wasn't even the first. I mean, Tamar is the first woman, and this is a different Tamar than the the, the sister of Absalom. Um, but Tamar in Genesis, she was she married a man who did not give her children according to the Leverett marriage. Then her brother was to marry her, and he did not give her children. He died, and so here comes the third brother, and Judah, his their father, said, "You know what, I'm." getting a little nervous about this girl. Why don't you go on home? And when my youngest son is old enough to marry you, I'll send you a telegram, you know? And so <laughs> she did. And when she realized enough time had gone by that she had been duped, she also found out that her mother-in-law had died, which meant that her father-in-law was no longer married. And so she dressed up as a shrine prostitute yeah. and coaxed him into her tent and he impregnated her and by Leverett law, by that law, she had not done anything wrong. Mm -hmm. By the law, he had, because he had withheld his son from her. And so she ended up having twins. And one of those twins was, you know, in the paternal, that, that father lineage of yeah. Jesus. So yeah. we have this woman who dressed up like a prostitute. And then we had Rahab, who was a prostitute. We have Bathsheba, who was an adulterous woman. We have Ruth, who even though she was pure in and of herself, she was a Moabitess. And the Moabites yeah. came from Lot and one of his daughters. Wow. And so they were not considered to be really the cleanest of people, you know, amongst Jews. If you notice in the book of Ruth, she's Ruth the Moabitess, Ruth the Moabitess, Ruth the Moabitess. <laughs> until she marries... Uh, Boaz, and then she's yeah. just Ruth. You know, yeah. it's marrying him that makes her pure. And and then, of course, Mary, who, you know, of course, we love and revere, but she was an unwed mother. That's right. Yeah. That's right. She, Joseph I mean, was technically a stepfather. That's that's yeah. right. You know, and, and they kept all this in their hearts. They didn't go, uh-uh, son of God, son of God. <laughs> People looked at, the, you know, it's a small town, this little town of Nazareth. Yeah. And uh, maybe 250, 300 people. And so, you know, they always said, oh, wasn't she pregnant before they got married? Didn't he just take her in? Isn't there yeah. a rumor? Because when you read Luke's story, we know that when Mary found out she was going to have the Son of God, she went to Elizabeth's for three months. Mm-hmm. And then she returned pregnant, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, da da da. Yeah. So we we forget that all this stuff is in the Bible, and and I took a little flack for writing this, but I knew that when I was writing, Jesus was standing over my shoulder saying, "You're making your point." Yeah. And that was the point I wanted to make. And I love that you use the Bible because. Sometimes people think that the, the Bible is just filled with like these little fairy tales and it, it, there are all these happy endings, but there, he, 
God uses imperfect people to work his, some of his most incredible miracles through. And you're just using that same blueprint saying here, this is real life stuff really happened, but still, you know, it's just like the Bible tells you, you know, you have, you have options. You can choose, choose two different paths. Um, I suggest you choose this path, right? And here are some examples of people in the Bible who have done this is what they've done, and these are the consequences. And it's mm -hmm. like the story plays out over and over and over again, but yet it's up to us to to choose our right path. And so I love that you you kind of use that the Bible as your blueprint to create those moral messages. That's really good. Wow. So so if there is, is I don't think that you. I, I think you've pretty much told us about all of the different projects. If this is your time, if you can think of anything else that you'd like to update us on, that would be great. And then please, you have to let um, our listeners know how to stay in contact with you. Okay. Well, my my website is evamarieeversonauthor.com. I have a name squatter. I let go of evamarieeverson.com for like five seconds and somebody jumped on it and that is not me. It's evamarieeversonauthor.com. Um, wow. You can, yeah, you can find me of course on, on Facebook and, and Pinterest and Instagram and apparently TikTok. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not on Twitter, um, but, uh, but anyway, you can, you know, you can find me uh, using social media, but the best way to contact me and to find out more about, you know, what I'm doing and, and what's new and my blogs and things like that is evamarieeversonauthor.com. If you want to know more about Word Weavers, it's word-weavers.com. And if you want to know more about the Florida Conference, word-weavers.com forward slash Florida, and all of that is spelled out, F-L-O-R-I-D-A, events. Um, we have the Florida Conference coming up next month. I'm excited to see you there, Catherine. And yeah, um, yeah, I'm so excited. I was like, oh, Catherine, <laughs> signed up. Yes, um, we are. We are at the Lake Yale Baptist Conference Center in Central Florida. We are out of rooms at the conference center, but we have a deal going with the Hampton Inn right now, not too far down the road. Uh, and uh, and so you you it's literally the same rate as if you were there at the conference center. Uh, you'll just, you know, stay off campus, but, um, and then you'll sign up as a commuter. So if you're interested, we've got a lot of great names coming in this year. Um, we have a, a, a focus on fiction, but that is not all we do. Uh, of course, we yeah. have children's book writing, article writing, Devo writing, nonfiction book writing, memoirs, um, mm -hmm. you know, how to uh, do your own hybrid publishing. And then we have hybrid publishers that come in and we have publishers that yeah. come in. So uh, we have agents and freelancers. We're going to have a good time. You know, there's something that we forgot to talk about in Word Weavers. They also have songwriters. I know they did. I don't, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you though, it, it may fall into this. We have two poetry groups yeah. that are doing extremely well. So songwriting may fall into that. I know at one time we had songwriters. Um, we also had uh, screenplay writers, et cetera. Uh, at one time we, we had so many screenplay writers, we had, they had their own group, but then yeah. that kind of dwindled down and they, they ended up just kind of, you know, going through um, and filtering in. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. just about any kind of writing you do, mm -hmm. we've got a group for you. Because we had one that was, a, he was a songwriter, so he would bring his lyrics for us to go through. Because those of you who are songwriters know that lyrics are very much like poetry. You know? so, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and, you know, I think one of my favorite uh, lyricists of all times is uh, Paul Simon. I, if okay. you just read the words to his music, they tell such amazing stories. Mm -hmm. They do. Yeah. yeah, that's what that's what songs are. They tell stories. That's what, that's what they do. Well, it's been a pleasure to hang oh, out with you today, too. Eva. Yeah, you've taught us so much. And I love that you taught us that um, a no is not a no. It's just a not yet. That's, that's super important. Um, or maybe a not here. It's <laughs> not, not here. here. Yeah. No. yeah. Mm -hmm. Are there any last words you'd like to leave our listeners with? 
you know, just, I'm just going to go back on that. If, if it's not the right place, if God is shutting the door and saying, I need you just to move, I need you to move on just a little bit. Cause I've got something better down the hallway, you know, just, you got to trust me with this. You don't want to be in the wrong place. You don't want to be in the wrong house. You don't want to publish with the wrong publisher or the wrong magazine or any of those things. You want to just leave that in God's hand. And, and even with all the books that I have out and all the work that I do, um, my, my work with, you know, I, I publish with crosswalk.com uh, maybe once or twice a month and that kind of thing, blog posts and all that. If it's not the right place, you don't want to be there. You do right. not want to be there um, because maybe by being at that house or that magazine or e-zine or any of those things, you're going to reach 5,000 people. But if you had just waited and allowed God to get you to that next door that he is opening for you, you just can't see it yet, but he's opening it for you. You're talking 10,000 people or 2 million people. You don't yeah. know. So That's just good. trust God with that and keep yeah. doing what he's calling you to do in the meantime. Mm-hmm. That's good. Very good advice. Well, listeners, I've enjoyed our time with Eva. And um, don't forget to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written words.